Hello and welcome to Garagarant of this town, a podcast about me blowing up my brain by keeping in a yawn so all of my co-hosts will have to replace me for this episode. My name is as always Delane, Edward Me, Fletcher, the replacement host. Adam, the replacement replacement host. It's true. I don't think we've made you do any research yet. <laughs> I'm the backup backup for a reason. That's the most important role. It's like the understudy of the understudy. Like, you don't want to put that guy on the stage on opening night. <laughs> Look, if the plane goes down that Ellie and I are both on, you have to carry things until we get back on our feet. All right. One day we'll do a spin-off called Gotta Get Out of This Town Babies and you can be the old host on it. And I also think we already did this joke on the podcast. Wow, we're really starting to repeat ourselves. We are truly uh, becoming a real podcast. Like, you know, the one that makes the same jokes over and over and over and over and over. We are in another repetition of a band that we've already been with and Bad Religion's The Process of Belief. Yay, this is not the worst thing that I've listened for this podcast. It's music. You remember music? Remember when we listened to music for this podcast? It is music adjacent. It is way more punk rock than pop punk, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's very 90s. Also, I don't know, I'm looking at the next couple of weeks and I'm like, oh no. Finch. Simple plan. Oh no. Hey, Taking Back Sunday could be good. I think. I know that record. Taking Back Sunday is good, but it's two weeks before that, right? Either two or three weeks. It is three weeks out we will do Taking Back Sunday. I am really looking forward to that record. I like that record. Has problematic lyrics, but it is a good emo pop record. You've got my attention. Also, one of the videos for that record is... um. Fight Club thing, so you probably know where we're at with that. That's true. Fight Club is one of the biggest things in culture where we're at right now. Okay, let's talk about the history of bad religion. So actually, we already did the history of bad religion. It was on episode 7 where we talked about the new America, but Fletch will tell us what happened between then and now. Well, now, 2001. We are just a step away from So, 
there were multiple tours for the New America, including one that we mentioned last time, where they spent three months rolling around with Blink-182. Punk and pop-punk meeting and emerging of the minds that I'm sure influenced both groups. Look, this is the period where Blink-182 had that Fugazi sound. I know. Yeah, just <laughs> so much happening in the world of the Alien Boys. But June 2001 is the first really public one of many problems with what would become the process of belief. Bobby Scher had, quote, experienced a most unfortunate career-ending injury to his shoulder, and so he had to leave the band. This slows down their recording sessions for, you know, an album that's going to need a drummer. And so they start taking time to interview people. The whole thing was like, well, this is going to push us back a little. The album will come out in October instead. And then it didn't. That didn't happen, as you can probably tell. But eventually they have someone at the end of the tryouts. Brooks Wackerman of Suicidal Tendencies and the Vandals comes in and they instantly go, all right, this is the best drummer we have ever heard. You want to come on with us? And he's like, Hell yes, you're bad religion. Alright, everyone is happy now. But, the problem is that then, this has thrown off the schedule, and then there's this thing at September 2001 that also kind of throws off the schedule. The Reliant K album? Yeah, the Reliant K album came out and it just shook the world, and so Bad Religion had to spend a little more time in the studio. So that way they could live up to the uh, uh, immeasurable talent of Reliant K? Well, you see, uh, Bad Religion also talks about God here and there, so they had to really get their metaphors going. Gotta really bring their A-game. Ah, uh, yeah. This whole thing, uh, it was about three, four months of just a lot of newsletters from Epitaph Records and statements on the radio and interviews. And it's like, no, no, the process of belief is coming. Uh, it'll happen. Hey, we're, we've got some songs. We're performing on late shows. We're throwing it out on tour. It's happening. It's Duke Nukem all over again. So uh, the process of belief eventually makes it out in the middle of, well, in the middle to late portion of January. They start putting out tracks on a microsite that was designed for the album, which I had to talk this over. A microsite was what you called it when you wanted to make a zine, but didn't want it to be a physical thing. It was just like, yeah, here's a thing that you have to know about how to find it. It's actually really terrible marketing, but it's one of the most punk rock ideas ever. There were a lot of micro X ideas in online culture going around at this time, including, and I love this, remember microtransactions, how maybe you'd just pay a penny or two to someone and then they know that you liked their webcomic? I do. Yeah, I too play free-to-play games on my phone. Plenty of microtransactions there. Yeah, that term has definitely taken on a much more ominous context. Look, if I, if I pay uh, $3, I get to play as uh, Blaze on the Sonic Runner game. So that's good. It turns out that if you rolled a five-pack, you were guaranteed to get one of the singles from this album, but you might just end up with Super Sonic three times. Anyhow, uh, so this is where they came back to Epitaph Records, who actually told them, no, you're going to shove this out in January because we had some scheduling conflicts. 
and they started touring Europe with their new lineup. The whole thing goes pretty well, and this leads us into Bad Religions, The Process of Belief. This is our first 2002 album. It is. What did you think of 2001? We didn't do the season finale thing. Well, let me look over our list and give you a quick heads up. Today, all of our segments are in the wrong order. That's okay. Honestly, I would say 2001 was uh, more interesting than expected. Just because Thursday was a great surprise. Dashboard Confessional was uniquely bad. Uh, Blink-182 grew on me. Of course, there's Jimmy Eat World. And I actually had a lot of fun with those last few bands between uh, Sugar Cult, Reliant K, and Lit as I was going, wow, this is getting under my skin in ways I didn't expect from this show. I had the opposite of fun with those last two bands. They destroyed the year for me. I had finally managed to forget that Sugar Cult existed, and now I remember again. Remember that this little defect? That was a song. Uh, no, 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 no. Bad. <laughs> Good news. We don't have to see them again until 2004. But we do have to see them again. Bad news. <laughs> we do have to see them again. Uh, I don't know. There was interesting things. I liked Alkaline Trio. Thursday was fantastic. Uh, Phoenix DX took an interesting direction. Some 41 was a pleasant, very teenage surprise. Oh, some 41 ruled. Like, especially after the block of Sugar Cult, Reliant K, and Lit, I'm just like, oh, some 41 is great. Give me more some 41. Honestly, this is going to be an interesting year for our show because it is the first one that really pops off and has a lot of new faces. Yeah, it's like. Bad Religion, Finch, Simple Plan, Taking Back Sunday, Goldfinger, Make the Town, Strung Out, Something Corporate, A Return of the Get Up Kids, the debut of uh, the Queen of Pop Punk, Avril Lavigne, Boxcar Racer Exists, Homegrown, Newfound Glory, The Used, Real Big Fish, The Used, you skipped Real Big Fish, Fletch. Well, I was trying to focus on the new stuff, so we're not just listing off the whole thing, like... We haven't done Real Big Fish yet. Oh, you're right. I'm thinking of the boss tones. Yes, you're thinking about the good ones. We haven't done Real Big Fish yet, and we will. And we will be in deep pain. Speaking of deep pain, Bowling for Soup and Good Charlotte. And My Chemical Romance debuts this year. Oh boy. With their worst record. I also realized we're going to be closing the year with some 41. Oh, and the Kelly Osbourne's record. And SR-71. It turns out that November and December are just dumping grounds for pop punk, sort of like January for films. Sort of like September for planes. <laughs> Ellie. 
I watched a film last night that started with an airplane graveyard. So, you know, th- I'm just imagining that. So 2002 is going to be great. Let's talk about the process of belief opening up this year. This chart set, by the way? Yeah, number 49 on the Billboard 200 and number one on top independent albums, making it the highest ranked Bad Religion album to date in the U.S. Oh, neat. This is also the first one of their albums to chart in Ireland, spawning two top 20 singles. Nice. It just shows you how much the Pope is losing control over the colonies. Can someone explain to me the cover of this record? Because I don't get it. Well, okay, the whole thing is a metaphor, and it's called out in Prove It, that you can't really quantify emotions, etc. Trying to make a diagram for the process of belief is just a complete joke. Half of the record is like uh, pe- people looking to the, to, to the direction, and the other half of the record is like a weird diagram. Yeah. And then Bad Religion is written out in a really basic typeface. I've always taken this one to be mocking a bad PowerPoint slide. Okay. Because Bad Religion has an iconic logo, and this is one of the few albums they did that does not use it. Yeah. So we kick off with Supersonic, although I will point out that when performed live, these first three tracks are all done as a non-stop medley. Makes sense. They're they're all quite short. They come in around four minutes altogether. Uh, really like the commentary on uh, Dr. Eggman and the five Chaos Emeralds here. <laughs> Just to reiterate the same joke that we already did, but, you know. I mean, they do say the problem's chronic. What? I can't be the only one who thinks of Chronic the Hemp Hog regularly. It's just you. It is just you. Does no one else grow up with bootleg t-shirts? Seriously. No. Yeah, you're on your own. Wow. You're going to tell me you didn't have any Black Barts growing up too, huh? (laughs) No idea what that is. Oh my god, I feel old. (laughs) Google Chronic the Hemp Hog, kids. Or not. I think that's pronounced Hemfog. But I have Googled it, because I am a kid. It's true. Are you just a kid and the word is a nightmare? That is an accurate assessment, and also why I like Simple Plan so much, clearly. Uh, but yeah, no, I like this song. This is like the actual Bad Religion sound, right? It's very straightforward, melodic, hardcore sound. It is sort of standard in that a lot of bands did this sound, and a lot of bands, like, have a similar sound, but... Th- th- they sort of invented it, like they they were doing the stuff in the late 80s, early 90s, so like, what you gonna tell them? But yeah, so there are a lot of, ah, oh, which are nice, some harmonizing. I'm not gonna say that this song is not good, this is a good melodic hardcore song, but this is where my problem with this record starts. It's more in the next song, but this is already starting here. The mixing of this record, I hate it. It's 
extremely flat. There's no punch to the drums. There's no punch to the guitar. And I'm not talking about the playing because there are a lot of great guitar parts, a lot of great drum parts, but they are mixed very low compared to the voice. And there's a, they're very flat. There are not a lot of dynamics. There is not a lot of punch to the instruments here. And I don't know why a lot of this record is fast, high energy, melodic hardcore stuff. It is a bit, you know, a bit slower than maybe stuff that's more in the hardcore, hardcore category, but it's still like a lot of the songs are still meant to be energetic and I feel the mixing just drains them of a lot of that. I actually went and looked who mixed that. The The producer is someone who worked with Bad Religion a bunch, so I don't think that's a problem. And I went and see who mixed that, specifically who did the mixing. And I was really confused because Jerry Finn did the mixing. And Jerry Finn so far on this podcast just did a bunch of great stuff. Like all of his records are punchy, they're poppy, they have a, they have a good like dynamic sound to them. And then you get this, which is so flat, so flatly produced, so flatly mixed. And I don't know what happened there. I think maybe Jerry Finn, working on about 40 records a year, uh, got burned out or something. I don't know. But I'm really surprised that he mixed this so unfittingly. And... It ruins a lot of songs for me because they do like that punch. They do like that energy that they would probably have if you play them live. They would probably have if you, you know, just had a different mixing on it because they are, the problem is not the playing, but uh, the mixing ruins so many songs for me. Not this one. I think it's more a problem in the next one, but this is where it starts. It's just like... I am judging this album's mixing on punk rock standards, which is, yo, this is pretty slick. It is neither just punk rock, we record this on a toaster, which has its own value. It's like, it's very polished rock and roll production, but it's also like the mixing doesn't punch up the energy. So it's sort of living in between. I actually came into this one super pumped because I think this song has great vocal harmony, speed and power behind it dense lyrics there's two different verses layered over top of each other around the middle of the song oh yeah this is uh lots of lyrics about modern living how bad it is Um, i mean i like the lyrics again we were talking before how i think they're sort of like green day but with better vocals and with better lyrics which is sort of like oh i can like this i can like this if it has actual lyrics and actual uh vocals that are not whatever Green Day does. Also, I'm going to just pitch this right now. This album hits me in the gut like a truck in 2021 because this was bad religion calling out our modern culture two decades in advance. I'm sad. (laughs) So, so much of the lyrics on this is just accurate. I could quote this whole song, but let's just go with that doubled up part in the middle uh, I won't lie, it's exciting when I try to decide things. I just want to live decently, meaningfully, I'm in misery. And meanwhile, in the background, the rest of the band is just doing this chant of rhymes. Pace setters, go-getters, rat racers, forgetters, researchers, berserkers, strategies to help the worker. The whole thing is just... 
all up in modern culture efficiency versus dehumanizing and trying to survive burning yourself out at both ends this song made me like actually excited to listen to an album for the first time in like quite a while on this podcast jimmy world excluded but i already knew i was gonna like that one you know like i heard this and i was like oh like this is actually gonna be fun (laughs) i'm not gonna like lose any pieces of my soul upon allowing my brain to come into contact with this music. Oh, I lost a piece of my soul on the last track. I did lose a piece of my soul on the last track, but we'll talk about that. That one really annoyed me. We can get there. You know, this is is fine. This is good. This is good. Finally, some good fucking music. Best intro we've had in, like, two months. No, no. Fletch, the title track from Bleed America. That's fair. I I would definitely put this on that tier. This is less my shit than Bleed America. That's fair. Yep. See, Bleed America doesn't count to me because it's something that I would listen to in my free time, unlike literally anything else we've covered. Yeah, let's be real. That album destroys our scale on a lot of levels. It's like the game-breaking weapon that you get by fighting the secret mini-boss. Like, you can't compare all the other weapons to it. It just, it doesn't work. It's true. You can just spam X with Jimmy Eat World the whole way through, and that's how you beat the dominatrix at the end of the Aerosmith game. The next song is Prove It. You said you hate the mixing here. Yes. This is the first time where it become really obvious that this is a good energetic song, but it's very flattened by the mix. I will once again say this is the, I think, the shortest track on the album or very close to it. It's either Prove It or Can't Stop It. I think it's 115 and 110. So the weird thing is that I am now listening to listening to it with way cheaper headphones, and it sounds way better with cheaper headphones, or at least it sounds way punchier. So it might be one of those things where it was mixed for, especially because this was sort of the time where that happened a lot, where it was mixed for um, car radios, like shitty car sound systems. Because that was definitely a thing around the this uh, period of time where that was where a lot of music was listened to in cars. So you would mix for the like shitty system. And like when I listen to the song with good my good nice main headphone, it's just like so flat. But if you give if I give it a listen with my shitty like two dollars uh, in ear headphones, it actually sounds better, which it's interesting. I will point out that. We are not there yet, but at some point during this show, we will have to talk about the Loudness Wars. That's more the back half of this decade, though. I don't think this is a Loudness War problem. I think this is just a... I think it's definitely a step towards that. Yeah. I like this one. It's, again, it's brief, it's punchy. This is where Graffin's lyrics are given a little more room to breathe, but 
lines like, my heart is not a cold cauldron of proof. I don't need to prove myself to you. It's just you know, the process of belief. No, sometimes emotion. A lot of this is trying a bit hard for a punk rock record, I'll be honest. A lot of this has that uh, AFI energy where it's just like, maybe let down the terraces a bit. Maybe be a bit more direct. I mean, it's nice. A lot of this is nice, but... I mean, one of these songs was literally written as an anthem against climate change. They're pretty direct when they want. Yeah, no, no. I like that one. I I don't know. They're pretty good. I'm not trying to say that it's not good. I really like the lyrics. I think there's a lot of work put in them. But sometimes it's just like... I don't know. Especially because the scansion on the lyrics sometimes is a bit awkward. I think that's probably part of the charm of the band, but it is a contrast there, and it's... It's not songs about vampires on this record. Why would Bad Religion (laughs) talk about vampires? Look, Bad Religion is going to get to some weird places over time, but we're not there yet. This is the recovery album. I thought that it was nice. Seems like the kind of song that I'd want to listen to if I was going to be walking somewhere for a long distance. The drums... Uh, on a lot of this album are good for that. Let us talk about Can't Stop It by the Red Dot Chili Peppers. Wow, you would do me this dirty on the day of my daughter's wedding? Isn't that a Red Dot Chili Peppers song? Ellie, I think you're cancelled for real this time. It It is, and I'm very upset that you went that far with that because I couldn't stop you. No pun intended. <laughs> Oh, boy. Ah, uncontrollable, I'm inconsolable. No, this this is, uh, again, if you look at the first three tracks as one medley, this is a good closer, but this one is the weakest part of the opening by it, far. Uh, it's a bit heavier than the previous two tracks. It pumps up the heaviness a bit. It's, uh, again, good energy, production sort of drains it. Good harmonizing on the vocals. I do love me some harmonizing on the vocals. Pretty good. It does manage to bring us into the pace that the rest of the album will be at for a while, which means that it is, of course, the trans song. Trans song, trans song. That's right. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep doing this until I can't anymore. I think this is is the first one where it's an extreme stretch here. Look. There wasn't really anything lyrically on this album that I could make it work with. Yes, that's why you don't make it work with. But then the joke dies. I'd like to hear your, like, uh, uh, full-fledged TED Talk on why this song is the trans song. Well, you know, if others postpone gratification and you lack that affectation, tell me how many trans folks you know in the community that that applies to. I am gonna, I'm gonna say that we hereby cancel Fletch for transphobia. 
I knew at some point I was going to push this joke too far, and it seems I've found my day. Nah. Well, thank God I didn't go with the pleasure center being the shelter for a reptile thing with how many furries I know. <laughs> with a partner furry friend. This uh, the safe space for you. Mm-hmm. As the one person without a fursona here, I will uh, decline. I don't have a fursona. <laughs> I'm actually surprised to hear that. I also don't have a fursona. I'm incredibly surprised by that. I thought they <laughs> gave those to you with a social security card at your age. <laughs> I am surprised that you don't have a fursona, though, Fletch. No, it just never came up. <laughs> This is just like that Spider-Man meme where the three Spider-Mans are pointing at each other. Yeah. It's like, what? But but I thought you were a furry. But I thought you were a furry. No, I just turn any of my partners into furries. Like, that's been happening since uh, I was in junior high. That's a great modern retelling of the King Midas story. <laughs> Literally, the first girl I ever dated, I broke up with because... She decided to show me that she had written lots of fanfic about me being cucked by Knuckles the Echidna. <laughs> and that was the first time I learned what furries were. And, um, that happened. You know, that is an awfully weird thing to have a similar experience with, but yeah. Yeah. And it's just been every single person since then. All of them end up furries. They might not be when they meet me, but they are by the time I am done. Everyone. It's my weird curse. Well done. Hmm. Uh, Could be worse. It's true. Broken is the next song. <laughs> ah, what I've left Ellie as. This is interesting. I dig this one. This is different. It also has a video, one of the only two on the album. I haven't seen the video. Actually. It has, whenever the chorus kicks up, the camera gets smashed by some cut or zoom or movement uh, around the band. And so it just starts getting more and more distorted and fractal. And at one point you realize it's showing upside down for some reason. They have fun with it. So, I'm not sure I like the song, but it's interesting. So, it's back to a sort of mid-tempo song. There is a non-distorted, there's like a clean guitar tone going on, which makes it sort of like a folk rock, folky ballad. It's very warning by Green Day. And, uh... Wow. Uh, not the song, the record. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, if Sorry, we're just going with... I... Gotcha. Yeah, the fact that there's a single and... Yeah. Okay, I can see that. It has sort of that uh, folky feeling that that record had, sort of like mixing sort of a more folky singer-songwritery thing with punk rock. I mean, I don't love this song. I don't think it does anything that really clicks with me, but it's really interesting. It's really different. It's really different from a lot of stuff that Bad Religion has done. And yeah. 
I dig this. It's, it is neat. It's sort of like a teen angst song about, I assume, two, two teens that run away from home or something. And it's like a story song. It's not two minutes of like weird metaphors that every other song on this record. This is just like a straight up, we're telling a story. And it doesn't quite work for me, but like, it's really interesting and it's really different. So I'm gonna give it points for that. Given how much you hated a specific sugar cult track, I thought this would have been great because it's basically fighting against that. Especially things like, please listen to me, there's no such thing as human debris. I know I'm not broken, a little cracked, but I'm not joking. I, I, the lyrics are good. Again, the sound is just like, it's not my thing, so I don't can't quite click with me, but I don't know. It, it's interesting, it's well-crafted. Uh, but also, like, I don't know. Bad Religion were hitting, like, their mid-30s at this point, if I'm not wrong, and uh, it sort of feels... Yeah, uh, Gurowitz would have been... turned 40 that year, 39. I, again, I don't... I'm not saying this is terrible. This sort of doesn't click with me musically, but just because that's sort of not a sound that I'm super into, but at least it's interesting, it's different... I can appreciate this theoretically. It's just not something that I would listen to in my own time. Any thoughts, Adam? I'm always a slut for a good story song. <laughs> also, it actually sounds nice and, like, has an interesting story to tell. So, you know, that's a nice little bonus. It's good. I, I think I expected and I'm coming to realize that Various parts of this record I thought would be more each of thy shit, and it is not in the way I predicted, so this is catching me off guard. Surprise! I, I thought the two of you were going to be into different parts of this record more, and while you don't seem to hate it, I am a little shocked it did not go how I predicted. That's all. Yeah, it, like it's really good, but I like my punk either poppier or just harder. And Bad Religion has always been sort of in between, and the more I listen to them, the more I'm like, I can appreciate this intellectually, but it's not something that I would necessarily listen to. Well, much like my predictions for this album, the next track is Destined for Nothing. This was where I started writing about how this album feels apocalyptically prescient in hindsight. Is this the Fedora Atheist song? Uh, no. Well, I guess it could be. It, it sort of is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have thought a later one was, but mm, I suppose you've got me there. There's a few times on this album that we do have some... I don't know if it's reverence, but reference to religion, and yet it's never particularly you need god son it's no this is this feels to me very anti-religion song which sort of clash with the later song which has a more nuanced take on it this is very like there is no destiny there is no 
you know there is no things that you were made for by a higher power this is just life the song slaps I knew that you would like the song Adam because just the sheer amount of woes on the song listen it's got woes it's got some repetition that's not too repetitive it's got drums the only way it could be better if there was horns it's true if you had some horns on this this would be my track of the album I'm all about this track, speed and anger everywhere, the whole thing about headed for eternity and destined for nothing, the future isn't difficult to see, a whole lot more post-2001 lyrics that really kick me in the nads now. And next up... The weirdest Madonna cover on Earth. Materialist. Uh, we, we need a... We do need a special episode about 2000s Madonna. Just that whole train wreck of an era. Music was September 2000. Because I remember the Borat video, but... The, the, the big problem isn't the music, the 2003 record. Do you remember American Life, Fletch? Uh, I hadn't gotten to that one, so... Do you remember let's... the rap that she does? They allowed Madonna to rap? They allowed Madonna to rap? I don't know if I know anything on this album that isn't Die Another Day. And I actually think that's one of the worst Bond songs. It is the worst Bond song, but I want to hear your reaction to that. Search for the title track and listen to the rap on that song. Madonna American Life. Gonna link it to you. In a solate, I get a double shot. It goes through my body, and you know I'm satisfied. I drop my mini keeper, and I'm feeling super duper. You they tell me I'm a trooper, and you know I'm satisfied. I do yoga and Pilates, and the room is full of hotties. So I'm checking out the bodies, and you know I'm satisfied. I'm digging on the isotope. This metaphysics shit is dope, and if all this can give me hope, you know I'm satisfied. I got a lawyer, and a manager, an agent, and a chef. Three nannies, an assistant, and a driver, and a jet. A trainer, and a butler, and a bodyguard of five. A gardener, and a stylist. Do you think I'm satisfied? to express my extreme point of view i'm not a christian and i'm not a jew i'm just living out the american dream and i just realized that nothing is what it seems this is some radio song shit ellie yeah i think this is peak liberal girl boss culture how was this not a hillary clinton campaign album <laughs> Wow. The, oh my god, the scolding fingers. Oh my god. Okay. Okay, this is... This is amazingly embarrassing. Holy crap. That's why I was surprised that you wasn't, weren't aware of this song. I just don't have it in me. Like, I can't. That was amazing. I am looking up the lyrics to that right now. I have to see how much of that I heard correctly. I think that, like, I just lost my last marble. Oh my god, I didn't mishear any of these. Nope. Oh my god. Oh my god, this is so bad. You really didn't. It's so bad. I'm digging on the isotopes. This metaphysic shit is dope. <laughs> wonderful that they allowed this to exist no holy crap 
Wow. So wow. Let, let no one come to me and tell me that Madonna is some kind of pop genius that reinvented herself perfectly for every era. She's awful. <laughs> She's terrible. Oh my god. All right. Well, that. <laughs> I didn't think my one joke was going to take us down that road, but let's go back to bad religion materialist. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, this is a Madonna. This is specifically a, a podcast about that song. <laughs> American Life podcast. Wait, no, I think that's already a podcast. Fuck. This is the track that does the title drop. Uh, the process of belief is an elixir when you're weak. Yep. Uh, also, they have a really weird scansion of materialist. Oh yeah, they're they're pronouncing it in such a drawn out staccato fashion. Yeah, materialist. It's because they're trying to rhyme it with seven different words. It sounds like they're saying I'm the realist rather than materialist. So I had I was actually had to look up the lyrics on this one. It is incredibly bizarre. It's a good walking song. I like it. Also, they use the word incipient sentence, and like, yeah, you you go, Geffen. Use use that terraces. Have fun. Look, Graffin is a guy who is in a band called Bad Religion, about to turn forty. Let him talk about getting old once in a while. Yeah, it's just like I I am amused by the choice of words, not necessarily a critic. I like I like big words. Uh, I do listen to friends of the show, the Mountain Goats, who replied to me on Twitter. I was wondering when you were going to get that in. <laughs> Look, it's cool. I get it. If any of my heroes were not dead and talked to me, I would also probably be pretty chill. Y'all got heroes? <laughs> yeah, it's mainly John Darnell and David Lynch. I think they're the only two people left in the arts that haven't raped anyone. John Lurie. I don't know who that is. I think you would like John Lurie. Look him up later. Do we have anything more on this song after the hell it took us through of our own making? Nope. <laughs> We're cool. Let's go to the next song. Oh yeah, let's go to the really happy one. Kyoto Now. Like, a political song that actually specifies a topic and talks about it and has a position on it? What what podcast are we in? We are in Gotta Get Off of This Planet, a We're Burning Alive Due to Our Own Capitalist Beliefs podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you amazed that I can just continue to make those up with no prompting whatsoever? 
it's very impressive. I mean, I feel that the main uh, good thing is um, my naming scheme, my initial naming scheme, which allows all of these jokes to flourish. You get co-writer credit on every one of these I do, yes. Yeah, no, this is a political song about the Kyoto thing and the fact that America didn't join in in the 2000s. And it's about a political topic, it's a specific, and it's everything that I like in a political song. It's like, this is about this, and we're gonna talk about this, and we're not just gonna be weird, abstract, be-yourself lyric. This is about an actual political topic. It's, uh, it's about the Kyoto Protocols, which we did not enter into, and various student bodies tried to get some to happen. This song was written as a theme for one of the chapters at Cornell University, where Greg Graffin did get a PhD. Yeah, it is really good. It is actually a really good song. I really like the transition between the chorus and verse. There's like some really good drum work, some really fun stuff happening there. Uh, the solo exists. Bad Religion does have solos, which I'm not, they're not my thing, guitar solos, but it is not, it is not a lead solo, it's better than that, so I'll accept it. This is a really good song. It just depresses me so much, due to the topic, and how little has happened in 20 years. It's a good song. But for the sake of my sanity, I cannot think about the contents of the song. This makes me want to wring the life out of every man in suit I can find. I mean, honestly, that is uh, the the only valid political action at this point. I will all of your presidents, all of your prime ministers, every single girl boss in power if you let me. Give me the chance. Pretty sure uh, you could go in prison in America for having said this on air, but uh, I, I support you. Could do's. I've already been and I'm already on lists. <laughs> oh, Fletch. Welcome to Gotta Get Out of the Cell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I walked right into that. I've played that game. <laughs> I walked right into that. And then they locked the door and threw away the key. <laughs> Ah, uh, but no, I, I'm the opposite, especially on this podcast. I am starved for political songs that are actually about things and they're not just Blink-182 being like, be different or Green Day or whoever it was. And yeah, no, I like this. This is Yeah, you, you were talking about this is a more successful Green Day. This is, I think we had this discussion at the end of Warning because yeah, they're just throwing in a line about maybe cops shouldn't kill people in the middle of a song, and that's the most they do. Again, like, the my most hated 2000 trend is the quote-unquote political song, which political message is just, be yourself, be different. And I, like, that. that's the curse of the 2000. It's just like, no, politics are actual things in the world that you can talk about. They're not this abstract concept about people being mean to you in high school <sighs> we're one year away from when i make you listen to rock against bush look we're one year away from uh, american idiot i'm ready for that garbage i'm ready to be really angry at green day you're not every day <laughs> i try not to think about green day every day all right let's let's go into the one that more fits my feelings right now sorrow let me take you to the hurting ground 
didn't vibe with this one. It's... Okay, so this was the first single off this album, and it's a good single. I think it's a weak track. Yeah, this is definitely a struggling with your fate song, and um, the lyrics are fine. They're definitely heartfelt. They have stuff going on for them. The, only, the problem is that this is one of those slow, melodic, hardcore songs. Not slow, but like slower. It's one of the slowest tracks on the album. Yeah, and I do not really vibe with that sound. Interesting lyrics, interesting vocals. We can sum up the whole song in one verse. Let me take you to the hurting ground where all good men are trampled down just to settle a bet that could not be won between a prideful father and his son. There you go. That's it. Sorrow also has a little reggae guitar sting at the opening for some reason. And the music video takes place in the tower from Feel Good Inc. where someone has set up a bunch of microphones like it's a press conference. I think that, like, I don't generally mind slow songs, but after, you know, seven songs of, you know, nice, fast music, like, you know, now I'm in the mood for nice, fast music. And then that's just like, no, now it's time to slow down and I'm I'm not ready to slow down. Also, this single came out uh half a year before the album did and bad religion got a lot of airplay locally still do to this day and i have heard this song to death this still plays regularly this is the over my head of uh, bad religion was this song also in titan ae this is apparently not on any soundtracks or anything according to genius offhand do we have a video where the members of bad religion are green screened into a space film uh, yes, actually. This one is super green screeny. They're in a big sky tower, and then you just see speakers all around the world broadcasting their song. Like, badly photoshopped speakers on the Moai statues of Easter Island, or just appearing in uh, St. Petersburg, or etc, etc. It's real cheesy CGI. Anyhow, let's go to the Gox song. Tiffany? A new age of reason to trick the mind what good is searching if nothing's there to find we arrive at this place of no return my brothers only to discover that our minds have left so This song is the slowest on the album. I can definitely see when you were mentioning that a lot of uh, comments on Mandarin Legion were that they were almost goth in places. And yeah. like, this song is that. The funny thing is that the guitar is sort of um, Red Hot Chili Peppers under the bridge. But I will say, that's one of the last good Chili Peppers songs. I'm just saying, this song is good. I don't hate it. You say it's worse on the record. I don't hate this song has like a nice dark mood i think it's more interesting musically than the previous song which was sort of like standard melodic hardcore emotional song this has something more going for it and uh, i 
I sort of don't like how they integrate the riff in the song after the chorus, it's sort of wonky, and a lot of the song has that, while there are a lot of good ideas, uh, this is the big return of Besideitis, where this feels like an unfinished song. This feels very much like a, what would be a B-side, something that you throw in there just to have a second track on your single. The vocals are sort of unyieldy, they're not polished, the melody is not polished enough to really stand on its own. And if this has sort of a rougher sound to go with that, if that has a, had a more punkier sound or a more rough production, it could work, maybe? But this sound, this is one of the songs on the record that the most sounds like a polished rock song. You have that those guitar doing the, the riff and the solo. They are very, like, standard rock song, and the sound is very clean. The... Everything, it's very polished on this song, which makes the weird vocals on this sound more unfinished than, like, weird and dark. So, I don't know. I like this song in theory. I think the actual song feels sort of unfinished and wonky. I liked the sort of almost gothic feel to this one that made me like it a little bit more than the last one, but, like... I, I'm still not sold on it being slow. There was momentum. Where's the momentum now? I simply wrote down hard to discuss. Because it if it were a little quicker, I would probably be able to grasp at it, or I would not have the time to linger in it and just find myself going, what do I say here? It's It's a Philosophy 101 track. That that would have that would be a very different bowling for soup song, philosophy one oh one. Oh god, bowling for soup just covers the Bruce's philosopher song. Let us go to the next song. Uh, Evangeline, my favorite mecha anime. I have a rule that I cannot think of anything that breaks this. Let's see if you can. Any punk song about a lady where her name is the title and focus of the track are good. Okay. Uh, Iggy Pop's career also has a bunch of these. Okay. Uh, I don't love this. This is the popular song on the record. Uh, it's fine. That's sort of my main problem with Bad Religion, that they come from the... I don't know, that sort of in-between era in the late 80s, early 90s, where pop-punk was pop-punk not because it was pop, just because it was popier than punk. And uh, so this sort of lives in that space, right? Where it's sort of this in-between track that is not as pop, as a good pop song, but it's not as punky as a good punk song. I, I can again, I can appreciate this, but this is not a thing that I would listen in my free time. And the lyrics are sort of uh, they're less, you know, a lot of the songs are sort of, in my opinion, where I'm like not super into the music. They're sort of saved by the lyrics, which are sort of like very 
they're trying very hard, but not in a bad way. And this is, again, even lyrically, they sort of like, yeah. I think this is an interesting one, especially Evangeline, conspirator so fine, lend me your faith because mine is broken. I love the lyrics here. As someone who has had a very fraught history with belief, this is my shit. I thought that it was an okay song, but the title got a song from Princess and the Frog stuck in my head, so I hate it on principle. I love Princess and the Frog. That's a great movie. I don't know what that is. It's the Disney movie. It's a Disney movie. It. Listen, it's not a bad movie either, but when y- y- you've got a baby in the house, you learn to hate Disney movies. The defense. Oh, right. This song cool. This is my favorite on the album. Yay! This is bad religion. This is so bad. I love it. This is sick. It's not a critique. I just enjoy saying bad religion. Uh, this rules. This has like this very grungy verse and like a damn good chorus. Uh, I wish this was mixed better. I still have the problem with the mixing. But That's fair. This goes hard, and it's super interesting. It's like a different sound than they usually go into. This rules. I love the song. And it's the first track since track one that does the layered chorus in a few places. Yeah, no, the chorus rules. It's a move that I wish they did more, because it really rules when they pull that out out of nowhere. Has those uh, really dark arpeggios on the verse, which are very grungy, very interesting. It's so fun. Hard, comes out swinging, dense lyrically, does something unique where the opening has a distortion and reversal on a few instruments before the lyrics kick in. And then there's just great lines in this, like, we are the prey and culture is the predator. Uh, I'm not immune to despondency. It's, it's a good protest anthemic track. And also the whole point being, hey... This is a this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. You have to prepare yourself to better the world through a long struggle, not just you show up once and then the bad guys give up. That's even like an interesting, uh, not solo. I don't know you would call it a breakdown. It's just like the guitar goes super distorted for a bit and then it goes back into the riff and then you go into the bridge. That's supremely interesting. There's a lot of like, tiny musical details going on and the foundations of it are like a really solid grungy punk song. I thought it was nice. I don't have as much to say on it as y'all because at this point in the album I was like, you know, we've listened to a lot of songs and they don't all sound exactly the same, but I did forget what song this was and have to go re-listen to it. So, you know, take that how you will. It happens. It definitely happens if you try to binge these. This is a 37-minute record that feels a bit long. I'm convinced, and I didn't mention this at the time because it seemed like it would be a little cruel, 
that Epiphany is just on here as padding because it's a four minute song that does not fit the rest of the record and it keeps it from being a little over a half hour. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel that you sort of hit right that I don't think this song is samey, but there are a lot of songs very similar on this record, which even at 37 minutes makes it... I don't know if it's actually long or if I just was grumpy today when I was listening to it, because I was grumpy today for unrelated reasons when I was listening to this. So I don't know if me thinking this is long is just me being done with, like, existence or just the record actually feeling long. Well, hey, good news. Thanks to today's recording session, now anytime you feel down, you can just remember Black Bart exists. Thank you, I guess. You're welcome. Uh, tell me about the lie. How do you know what you can be if you can't see where you are going? What breaks the silence misery can make you see where you belong? It's a dangerous stage, but the show must go on. The Lie is a solid political song. Mm -hmm. We are back on the field of this is a bit too vague for my taste. Like, I like political songs that are like this specific issue. Well, this is sort of like eh, up in the air, sort of vague, but... This is a bit weak to me just because it's the only track on the album that's really one line over and over, one line over and over, one line over and over. This is another one of the songs that, as I was mentioning before, sort of in between, sort of in between being pop and being punk. Not as hard as a real punk song, nor as poppy as a real pop song. It's almost like pop punk is a thing. <laughs> Especially when put in the sample size of this podcast, they do tend to feel some of the song like neither fish nor foam. I can understand that. This is definitely a record that... I would not put into the pop-punk space. I mean, it is pop-punk, but it's old pop-punk. This is like 90s pop-punk. This is not... It's not the pop-punk that is the stated goal of our show. Yes. It's very nice. I'm happy we're covering it, but it does not fit our usual metrics. Look, we're gonna listen to a lot of shit that technically, I guess, it's pop... We're gonna listen to a lot of shit that's not pop-punk. We have listened to a lot of shit that's not pop-punk. But we're also going to listen to a lot of shit that's like, technically pop-punk? Like, there is pop and there is punk there, but it's not pop-punk. Like, a super chunk record somehow ended up on our spreadsheet. And it's just like, I guess super chunk has pop and has punk in their influences, but I wouldn't call them pop-punk. And it's sort of the same with Bad Religion. Bad Religion is sort of like 90s pop-punk, which is not pop-punk. And I'm making, like, a quotes gesture, which you cannot see because this is not a visual medium. It's kind of like how, you know, just because something has chocolate and peanut butter does not necessarily make it a Reese's cup. Uh, we don't have that here. <laughs> okay, just because something has chocolate and hazelnut doesn't make it Nutella. Okay, I can understand that reference. There you go. That's the European version. <laughs> Like, you know, you can just chop some hazelnuts up and put them uh, in some melted chocolate. And like, that's not going to be quite the same thing. That's going to just be chocolate covered hazelnuts bits. 
Yep. Just because I put cheese and tomato on top of some bread, it doesn't make it a margarita pizza. It might be an open-faced BLT. <laughs> that just sounds like you made like a, like a grilled cheese. <laughs> also true. But what I was going to lead into there is uh, it's a thing that I debated floating when we started this show and did not because I had seen it fail. There is a writer whose works I enjoy, uh, Chester Bolingbroke. He goes by the CRPG Addict. His premise is to cover the history of the genre of computer RPGs in order chronologically. So he goes forward. He does not cover the sequel to a game unless he finds he has done the one before it. And he made up a rating system that he lays out in detail, but he has also admitted that it fits his definition of a CRPG. And so there are actual classics or games that he has enjoyed playing, which score terribly because they do not fit the metric he made to classify games which allow you for a lot of freedom of character customization or have inventory management or an economy or so like dungeon crawlers uh, fare pretty badly because you don't really have stores there that honestly that sounds like a miserable red i'm assuming he's a writer uh like, let us take all of these things that were clearly different, and let's all judge them with the same metrics. Well, it's very interesting, because he will basically say, hey, I love this, this is great on these levels, but it also has exposed over time that he just had a mental image of what everything in the space was going into the project, and it's kind of hard to, ten years on redefine that scale and rejudge everything and go well do i just keep using this because it will start affecting modern games more and more or do i you know it's the uphill battle and that's why i did not propose we rate these or try to classify them because my mental image of what pop punk was coming into this show is so different from what we've run into now and it would have been just as big of an error just think of all the things we like all the other kids Missy was a Dean Blue video star Dad took his life in his mother's car Maya went to college but you knew about that Rocket played a record She just started riots Lauren is always quiet She was battling depression Uh, this is another one that goes very guitar effecty. Why is this not the last track of the record? Not sure. This is a this is seems defined as a closer. It's like a nostalgic song. It has like this nostalgic sound. It's a bit slower, but like hits sort of hard emotionally. It's about like you know the crowd that the band used to hang out with and where are they now? Has some sad lyrics, some like upbeat lyrics. And it's just like, it's a very emotional climax for the record, and I don't know why this isn't closing the record. It's so weird. This is a closer. This is like spot on a closer track. Also, this is kind of an amazing shout out to so many pop punk, well, not pop punk, just 
punk acts that they came up with, which were and weren't around, dealing with all the people that were part of the history of Bad Religion. It was a great track. Yeah, no, I, I, I love this track. This is perfect for a closer of the record, which it's not. Yeah, this, this is a good little punk song, and uh, just talking about, hey, you know, there's somewhere for you no matter what kind of an outsider, what kind of a weirdo. You don't have to belong, because there's someone you can belong to. Yeah. No, this is a good track. I just... The only problem I have this this track, only problem, because this track works really well. It's a good emotional climax for the record. It's perfect at what it is, which is sort of like a nostalgia. These are the people we we came up in the scene with song. The only problem for me is that why is this not closing the record? I, I also have other problems with the actual track closer of the record. I also know you hate the final track. I do, but this is a, also this is a good uh, record closer. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell my children that this is the last track of the record. Dot meme. <laughs> <sighs> There's a certain dark comedy to thinking that any of us will have children on this show. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Adam, what do you think about the song? I liked it. It it sounds okay. It's not quite a story song, but it's got like a bunch of little snapshots. I think that's interesting. It's a sort of weird oral punk history. I like it. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the song that pissed me off. All right. The record closes with Bored and Extremely Dangerous. With nothing better to do. So this is a song about having empathy for school shooters, basically. This is basically like, oh, you know those insanely school shooters? You should just, like, accept them and love them and they will not shoot up schools. And, like, fuck you. Like, fuck you. <laughs> and I come from this as, like, you know, after this is the, the, the Twitter opening for every tweet ever, as a trans person, as part of one of the, <laughs> like, just like poor upon, shut upon, like, demographic of the world. How many trans people, school shooters, have you seen in the news? Zero. Zero. So it's, being a school shooter is not about, oh, you, you, you are so mistreated by society. You are so, you're so alone. No, fuck that shit. You're garbage people. No, it, it turns out that only an asshole decides unloading into a crowd is a good move. I get it. So yeah, this, this, is, this is like, I hate this song just on the concept that having empathy for like that kind of human garbage, it's like thinking that that's the problem is just fucked up and I hate it. Go away. <laughs> okay, but what if you look at it from this perspective, which is how I saw it and why I am not nearly as angry about it. If, and again, this is a very 2000s thought because in the modern time, 
you and I can both see exactly where a flaw in what I'm about to say is. I think the thing being said here is simply, it is alienation and loneliness that drive people to do such radical acts, and looking out for those around you is the course of action that can lead to preventing this. Uh, sure, but we're all fucking lonely and alienated. That's capitalism. You cannot... Having empathy towards that kind of specific lonely and alienated people is just like trying really hard to justify a bunch of shit who decided to kill a bunch of people. The other thing I will say is that uh, if we take my story there, we also know in the modern day that if the only people who are reaching out to the people in pain are the ones who want to see them cause more of it, that's kind of its own problem. We we have to look out for one another because otherwise you see the people who are getting broken by the Q stuff being reached out to by doomsday cultists and being like, well, yeah, now you should be a warrior for God instead. You believed in a man, not in a belief. And that's that's the issue when alt-right people start using World of Warcraft as a recruiting ground. And when you realize there is a demographic that has an emptiness at the heart of it, and only the most morally reprehensible decide, these are our weapons, these are our tools, this is where we come up with the problem. See, I don't know. Like, I feel like... People sort of look at look at the causality wrong. There is that there is definitely like a, a demographic that like the the left is not reaching to. And now we're a political podcast. Fuck it. We knew we were going to be on this episode, <laughs> especially when you look at sort of like the infelly school shooter kind. They are sort of predisposed to like fucking you know reactionary things because that's their starting point. When people say, oh, you need to reach up to those people from, like, a left point of view, I don't think that's effective. Especially the the one who end up getting really deep, I don't think the problem is that the right reached to them first. The problem is that they sort of started up with fucked up beliefs that led them to, you know, that point where they can be reached out by the, the far right. But... As someone who could have gone down this exact path themselves at that age, I did not know about leftist thought. I did not know that I was not, to use the parlance, woke in any way, and it was learning about things that were not in the mass media, that were not in the culture that kept me from being another asshole go well, okay, I can't say I'm not another <laughs> asshole going around fighting folks, but you know what I, I know mean. What you mean. I don't know. I feel people overstate the I could have been that uh, feeling because I thought that a lot of time. And honestly, on analysis, probably not. Like, I think there is a specific demographic of people that is more like they've been more fucked up by the hegemony of society than we'd like to think. And uh, I don't think there's a lot of saving to do with those people. And when we say, oh, we could have been those people, that is probably not true. I think that it is much better to come at this from a perspective of, it could have been me, but for the grace of God, but for the friends I had, than 
to write them off as no chance to have been redeemed. I think that when they become an other, that is a flaw that we cannot correct. I don't know. I, I, you're probably right, but I'm grumpy today and the song made me angry. <laughs> you're probably right, but uh, fuck him. <laughs> today I'm in a very fucking mood. That's, look, I'm not going to say I haven't had a fucking mood. I'm not going to say there aren't people that you see where it's like, yeah, no, was nothing for that guy. Elliot Rogers was not going to be turned around by a ham sandwich and a chat at a nice deli. But there's a whole spectrum there that's a little less extreme that I think we can't just throw out those babies with the bathwater. That's it. That is the farthest I will take this because we have beaten this boring and extremely dull closer of a track to death. Adam, do you have any thoughts that don't end up in uh, in political discussion? Nah, I'm good. Oh, the phone gimmick that silences the track for uh, 30 to 45 seconds in the middle fucking sucks. Oh, this is that song. Okay, yes, I do have something to say. I fucking hate that. Yeah. Fucking hate that. Do not do that in your songs, or I will manifest in your house. The, the song stops for like <laughs> a, a minute with like a weird phone sound, and then it starts again, and I I don't know why. I don't know why. I will give you two better tracks that use a phone in the middle of the song. A, uh, there is Pink Floyd's Hey You, and a lot of tracks on the wall, and B... The Galaxial Pharmaceutical by the Amorphous Androgynous. process of belief yeah final thoughts i love this album it is not a perfect album i love this album i think it's pretty good i'm not sure if it was me or the album that was losing steam toward the end but either way i was just like not quite as vibing with the end of it but i think it's pretty good i can appreciate this intellectually i can look at it and this be like, this is very well crafted, there's a lot of effort put into this. Not all of the songs resonate with me. I feel the mixing especially is a big, big problem on a lot of tracks, drains them of a lot of energy that could have had. And about, I don't know, 40% of the tracks are not just not my thing musically. There are a couple of gems. This is not in my top five of stuff that we've done for the podcast, but it's a good record. It's good. They're they're good record, Brunt. <laughs> Damn it! With all of our extended political segments on this record, that we're like a breadcast now. Is that a thing? I hate that. <laughs> I hate that because I don't know that there's a single one of the people who self describes as that that I do not want to punch on some level. Oh no, they're terrible. That's why I'm making the joke. I don't know what that is. 
Oh, don't. We're, we can't. No. Uh, oh, are we not doing uh, an extended segment on BreadTube? <laughs> oh, God. If we do, we will... We have already made this an editing nightmare. I know. We can't. Are we not entering the ContraPoint discourse? Oh. <laughs> you know what? I'll look it up on my own time. We can tell you after we're done recording if you want a story. Okay. It can't go on the show. Uh, and speaking of which, if you thought we got political on this one, you may want to be warned that the next time we run into bad religion, it will be worse. Oh. Oh my. The Empire Strikes First is Bad Religion's next album, which will show up in 2004, and it turns out the Patriot Act and the Iraq War really pissed them off. Yay, war crimes. Uh, there are also quite a few different tracks that I think we will get heated with, including Let Them Eat War, The Empire Strikes First, Boot Stamping on a Human Face Forever, and God's Love. What is next week, though? Next week, we will be talking about Finch, What It Is to Burn. Same song, different chorus. So this was the episode. You can find our fantastic website at getoutofthistown.com. Go there, ignore Fletcher's directions. I said I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll never <laughs> let this go, it's too funny. This, this is my version of the trans song joke. I will also be cancelled for it. But before that happens... I, I will retire the trans song because I could not make it work this week. <laughs> also, God help us if Finch has a trans song. <laughs> Uh, if you want to cancel us, you can mail us at getoutofthistownpodcast at gmail.com. Do it. Receiving... If you want to cancel us, you can email us? <laughs> no, you have to give people who are you going to cancel a head up. You have to tell them, hey, gonna cancel you in seven days. I think that's what the, the Ring American remake was about. Is this the podcast version of if you're a cop, you have to tell me? Yes. I think so, yeah. Wow. Also, if you want to cancel us, you can add us at GGOOTT Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, and everywhere else on the internet where you can find podcasts. If the place where you find us to listen to podcast things has a rate and review function, please do it, especially on iTunes. That helps a lot. And next up, we will talk about Finch. They're a real band, apparently. <laughs> Do you have anything to plug, Fletch? You can find all of my projects at a similar website, hellscaper.com. Do you have anything to plug, Adam? Nope. Nothing. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at ACCTheMoon. And we do not have a Patreon, but... You can empathize with us for all the horrible, cancelable things we've said this week and find it in your heart to maybe just give us that reach out of email and social media contact and maybe we'll do better next time. Good night. Good night. Let's go freak out everyone. No reason. Who knows why? What's on your mind? Not like I've got the time to
to stick around I'll catch my flight like a pop pocket and get out of this town What's on your mind? There's no point left to keep your image down Let's terrify So I kept in a yawn because I didn't want to make noise when I was making the silence and now I feel ditzy so this is how this is how life is going right now healthy uh fight club 2 issue summaries marla and her growing army of child soldiers track her son to a mountain stronghold and lay siege tyler takes sebastian on a dreamland tour to explain human history and the new future rise or die has planned sebastian Tyler spreads like a virus. He is passed down from generation to generation. And now that Junior has Tyler in him, he no longer needs Sebastian. The writers of Right Club are no help whatsoever. Yeah, it's Arrow. I've seen those episodes of Arrow. They were terrible. God, Arrow is much better than anything Fight Club 2 or Fight Club 3 became. But you know how obsessive I am to keep this, this podcast unproblematic. You have me on here. Yes, and I have editing power over you, Fletch. That's true. 